Welcome to the new healthcare economy where everyone wins for a change. Employers, consumers, primary care physicians, outcomes, shareholders, even our communities all win with costs dropping 20 to 60%. This unstoppable direct contracting movement bypasses the big middles with their crooked game boards, devious rule book, rigged dice, and purchased referees. I'm Rob Barshop, and I'm glad you're here. Four years. Sound of a whistle blowing. What an interesting time in primary care to launch this thing. Historic. It's bigger than a lockdown are a few stories and themes that I want to talk about today that you don't really hear in other places. I want to talk about the retail wars that are going to be leading to the coming talent wars. I want to talk about federal complicity, and then I want to talk about the fix thriving in this massive headwind. So the first giant sweeping change in 2023 Basically, it's light years ahead of where we were when we started the show, January of 2019. The soup has been very clarified for all of us as consumers, who's doing what and where it's all headed. Okay, so story one, let's talk about retailers like Walmart, like CVS, like Walgreens and Amazon. They have four completely different offerings, knowing consumers are super ready for a fresh consumer experience and they're total fed up with legacy care. And retail, after all, is... Their bailiwick, that's their wheelhouse, their genius, consumer experience. But does it translate to primary care betterment? Well, my measurement tools are seven aims, and more on that in a second. So what are the four offerings? Let's start with Walmart. I went to their first clinic when they opened it in Dallas, Georgia, suburb of Atlanta. And I was there that week. Walmart has basically rural America if they want it. Their primary care offering is broad, but it isn't right, though, in my opinion. It's broad with dental, eye exams, ear exams, therapists added to their PCPs. They even have x-ray on site, which is kind of nuts, but they do it. But it's all fee-for-service. It's not advanced primary care. It meets none of the seven aims. Lower costs, better outcomes. You might be able to make those arguments that rural America needs access. But happy docs, consumers, employers, shareholders, community, and no. They get one or two checks or green lights out of the seven. But they should cross-sell more high-margin DME and scripts and infusions and glasses. But remember, their docs are subcontractors. They work for other companies like Beacon Health. Walmart ain't their boss when you work for Beacon Health. Your boss isn't Walmart. So not the dentist either or the audiologist or the therapist or the optometrist. None of them work for Walmart. So just the pharmacist does outside the clinic and the optician that sells the glasses. But Walmart is their landlord. Now, docs we know that have been on this show have quit because of these weird pressures they're getting from the landlord in suits. They're trying to pressure them to sell more stuff that they don't have any interest in selling. So yay for your rural America. Something beats nothing, but it's just more volume-centric factory medicine, but in a beautiful wrapper. And I want to tell you, the spaces, I've been in a lot of spaces. This is nice as it gets. CBS, let's jump to them. I don't know their strategy at all, but I think it's called the unstrategy because all they're trying to do is get away from a mistake. They stumbled with these minute clinics and they have thousands of them and they didn't pan out. Why? Because a minute clinic is a transactional visit. It's not a relational visit. You don't cross sell many meds, DME and infusions because urgent care doesn't work that way. It's not a primary care relationship. 
You're just going in and you're going out. You don't remember the doctor's name 10 minutes later. So what is CFS driving? More volume. Again, the no winners game in the seven aims. Just more fee for service, but in prime, prime real estate locations. A lot of noise. Walgreens. Now they're way a step up on the ladder because they decided to partner with Village Medical by aggressively investing in them and growing them magnificently all over the country. Village gets value-based care right. They've understood it. I've known Clive Fields, I don't know, since the beginning of time, forever. But they really understand Medicare, Medicaid, and they're converting stores, and they're going to do fine. And the line is not blurred who the boss is. Everybody knows Walgreens has invested billions in Village so the suits can kick the white coats back of the chair and do more cross-selling of high-margin products that are in Walgreens. But that margin-driven prime directive is the dark underbelly of that whole relationship. But in theory, costs go down, outcomes improve, and the consumer should win by going to a Walgreens. Now, the red flag here is the giant signing bonuses that I'm hearing about are yellow light indicators that make me question, are the doctors and nurses winning or are they being bought? Because they aren't getting signing bonuses in this next offering because Amazon has what I think is exactly the right model and the burnout cure for doctors. People are, in other words, jumping from volume-centric care into the Amazon model, which now, now Amazon, we're going to talk about the next, they did an oops with Haven, didn't work out. They did another oops with Amazon care, and then they got it right. And my hats are off to them because they paid attention to crossover health who started going into their centers or distribution centers they have 180 of them and they started going into them and showing them how dpc is just freaking amazing and they got it they figured it out so dpc and digital first that's the future eureka this march they bought one medical for just shy of four billion apple is the key anchor customer for one medical but one medical will be hitting one million members soon they'll be on this show very shortly and yes they are bleeding lots of cash, but not forever, though. But don't worry, because Amazon is sitting on $70 billion in cash and a market cap that's greater than all the grocers and drugstores combined. So they can afford to bleed cash as one medical rolls out. They'll be the big winner, I believe, in time, because it's simply the best model, because all seven of our metrics are green light. Everybody wins in direct primary care, and that's the one medical offering. I'm just going to mention one other thing before we get into these other two themes that are not in the news too often, and that is what's going on with Kaiser and Geisinger. This is, in my opinion, a drunk leaning against a sober elder, stronger brother. Geisinger has been stumbling these past four years. Kaiser a bit too, as it struggled to get footholds in monopoly-dominated metros. So it went in and it failed in a lot of states and a lot of cities because there's a gigantic, deep, scary moat around most of these cities because the biggest employer or two are other bigs, other big systems, big hospitals. The giants ruled in Israel, the spies told Moses, which was a lie, but it is true in 90% of American metros is that there are monopolies and duopolies that control the healthcare markets in most cities. So breaking in is just war, bloody. And that's exactly why Robbie Pearl said on another platform, we both share, Jeremy Core produces both of our shows, and Robbie said recently that United Health Group would not have 70,000 physicians of the 2 million white coats out there if they weren't gearing up for consolidation wars, meaning at show 400, and we're at 200 now, but at show 400, we'll be talking about the consolidation wars and the talent wars as a macro theme. Okay, back to Kaiser Geisinger. 
that integrated hospital insurance model is a bit more aligned with value and cost and consumerism, and they are the second largest PCP group after United, Kaiser Permanente, and Geisinger combined. But volume still drives EBITDA, and it's not a true risk model like Chen Med, in my opinion. And I'm curious if you agree that Kaiser Universe is a winner for the seven apes. So United and Kaiser, number one and number two, owning PCPs. The big question is, can they retain them in the war, talent war that's ahead? There are big targets along with the big hospitals who are bleeding white coat talent as they furiously buy more. Daily financed by a trillion dollar CARES Act kiss from taxpayers. I call it more than a kiss. It's more like a tussle in the back seat. But you and I paid a trillion one so for them hospitals to buy 200,000 doctors who had to sell in a lockdown. Doubling these doctors' fees overnight, now they work for a system without any additional quality or consumer experience. Docs are not happy about all this slush money that bought them. Tax money. So now the Bukas have all also jumped into virtual care, an unrelated subject, but I wanted to throw that in there, which is odd because these insurance companies charge every touch versus subscription-based care, which is, has virtual built in, and they charge not a dime every touch. Virtual is bundled and in free. Okay, so there's more perverse incentives. I don't get why Bukas are in virtual and why that's so fashionable. Okay, so I started this show thinking ancillaries were going to keep primary care healthy, primary care cures. That's going to be a cure. They do, but the overarching story I discovered I made is this direct care model, which is the third theme. I started interviewing what I thought was the Mount Rushmore of DPC, four men, it's how it happened, that were all deeply respected in that community. And I soon discovered that the 1,600 clinics for those kind of folks only had 250,000 members. That doesn't help employers that are in many cities or many states. It's a lovely concept, but it's a local concept. But then, wait a minute, my company at about that same time, and I got care from Redirect Health in Phoenix, they alone have 20,000 members, and they're national. And then I met Nextera, Clint Flanagan, serving Colorado and a few other states. And Paladino, his big competitor, now Everside in Colorado. And there was a big battle, and Everside got the state of Colorado. Boom. I woke up and went, wait a minute, this isn't a local thing anymore. And then Peak Med also has started in Colorado. They're now one medical. If I'm confusing you, I'm sorry. But so Everside got the whole state of Colorado. And then not soon after that, not long after that, they got the whole state of New Jersey. So I woke up. This isn't a Mount Rushmore DPC local only honeypot. This was way bigger. It was scaling. And I started finding these CEOs that had nationally and regionally scaling DPC for employers that are national and regional. And it's mostly financed by private equity. So they started merging all these regionals since we started the show and virtual clinics too. And they became gigantic overnight, a lot of these companies. So let's call it digital first, advanced primary care, call it whatever you want, but it's per member per month subscription medicine. And it skips insurance companies, DPC. And jumbo employers needed a scalable solution. And I believe that's virtual combined with bricks and mortar. Okay, so here we are, 200 shows end, and here it is, the tally. The top seven firms in the space exceeds 23 million members, all but two are private equity backed. So I use that figure, 23, 25 million is the number I talk about on, pretty much on the show, but there's 24 firms, not just seven. And if you do the math on all of them, we're talking about 31 to 32 million members and America's 330 million people so it's about 10% of America that's in this universe. 
The cool thing is their average NPS scores for all these 27 companies are in the high 90s for consumers. That's a winner. The employer renewals are all running 95 to 100%. That's winner number two. Winner number three are the internal doc and nurse metrics. So they, again, measure satisfaction with NPS for the physicians that work in these clinics. They're a winner. They're delighted. They should be. There's no more EHR, coding and billing. And the ROI seems to be an averaging around one to one and as high as four to one in the first three years that employers hire these companies. So that's the fourth winner is costs. And shareholders obviously are now seeing a bottom line drop to EBITDA as healthcare now becomes a contributor, not a cost to employers. So shareholders are happy. Winner five, all are claiming that they're doing less ER and hospital usage and outcomes. So that's winner six. And if DPC is helping all of these folks, these 31 million get a raise with no more payroll deductions or deductibles or co-pays, that's called more money flushed into their personal accounts. That's a raise. And that's also more money flushed into a local economy. And it's the order of tens of millions per thousand employees. So we're talking a potential stimulus, if you did all the math, approaching a trillion dollars. It's a lot of money and it's way better than a federal stimulus because it's evergreen. It continues forever. So let's call that the community wins number seven. Um, we've told the story many times about Rosen Hotels. They've been on two shows. Um, they use their $540 million in direct care savings to offer free college and vocational, basically shutting down crime in the school districts over the last 10 to 20 years. Walmart is doing the same for all 2 million employees with a dividend from a billion they save using a direct tactic called Centers of Excellence. Their turnover rate dropped from the 70s to the 40s almost overnight. That's impressive to me. And the community wins economically again with maternal companies like Rosen and Walmart because what happens when more people go to college and vocational school and postgraduate, everybody wins. Other maternal companies are gonna see these two companies and they're gonna start playing ball with those fine examples. Keith Smith was just on the show. He's one of the original gangsters in surgery and was the original guy that thought of transparent surgery in at Surgery Center of Oklahoma. He also started the Free Market Medical Association. And he was just on for the second time. And he said something that kind of caught my imagination. He fancies this as a rebellion, not a revolution. Texas does not want to overthrow the DC cesspool. We just want to do our own thing and be left alone. Texas, the word Tejas in Caddo means friendly. It's our motto, friendship. And that's direct versus legacy. We're friendly. Just leave us the heck alone, DC. Regulators, state houses, IRS. You know, the Cali motto is perfect, actually, for DPC. Just don't tread on me, which is ironic because that state treads on everybody driving their free markets here, millennials to Texas, 300 a day. Headquarters too, but I'm off topic. So that's the big theme. It's the big underreported story. The blossoming seven aim winner, DPC serving one in 10 Americans. Okay, let's talk about how lockdowns made a winner of virtual primary care, digital first. The virtual only companies like Medici and 98.6 and Teladoc got hammered hard, losing 60 to 80% of their value after, lockdown, after lockdowns as telehealth rose wildly in a lockdown, then calmed down, simply double utilization since 2018. And, and that's impressive, double. But those three, Medici, 98.6, and Teladoc, and their sisters, they have some stable companies because they have respectively Fortune 500, Silicon Valley, and Walmart as base clients. 
But every state house got excited about telehealth, and each of them had at least two telehealth bills. There were over 100 bills floating around after lockdowns. So there was a massive uncertainty, and that's kind of what burned all these great companies. Then CMS sent a clarification out, and they said that here are the three things we're going to reimburse in telehealth, and the dust storm settled, and it appears like everything's calm and copacetic now. I'm expecting most of these virtual companies to merge with on-site brethren to insulate them from the next hurricane like this, which will be these messy consolidation wars. Another company I love got swept up too and almost slaughtered uh, called Babylon. They're the largest primary care group in the United Kingdom. They serve the nation of Rwanda as well. And their 97 NPS scores kind of blew me away because their panel sizes are 16,000 members per white coat. Their customers, as I said, are governments, UK, Rwanda. They work with 2 million people here with CMS. But we can learn from their genius. And I don't know, when you have 2 million members here, 21 million members global, we don't want to see companies like that not do great. We want them to do well. So we wish them the very best. Anyway, what's the big takeaway after four years of interviewing geniuses during an unprecedented lockdown maelstrom? Well, DPC did fine. We do great in hurricanes. We do great in lockdowns. But it's a subset of direct care. And it's been steady eddy during bad times. And it's going to thrive in the war zone that's coming, unfettered by the talent wars, because it is the ultimate destination if you're a white coat. The hospital consolidation wars, it's going to be a safe haven. If you're unhinged by trillion-dollar CARES Acts, it's gift to hospitals. Again, it doesn't affect DPC. It's just people get fed up working for these big systems, and they go work for DPC. Because direct is the cure for burnout. It's obvious. It's likely he have considered that no DPC provider ever wants to go back to an abusive EHR meat grinder with billing and coding and collections. The factory medicine machine is a distant, unpleasant memory once you come over to the light. My youngest is a great example, and Alex was advised when he became a therapist to start his career at a big, giant system for two years. It'll look good on your resume, he was told. He looked at the advisor like she's a bag of gophers fighting. He couldn't believe he heard it because he said it sounded nuts to him. She was telling him basically be unhappy as can possibly be imagined for two years, and then you'll be guaranteed to find your joy with a small private practice. To the hell no, he said. Now, I think that's a whole generation speaking. They know that it's bad in these big systems. Look, direct has an ecosystem. Surgery, imaging, labs, we all have independent shielding them. We have health sharing ministries that are now 2 million members and growing pretty fast. And they take care of the high risk stuff if you're looking at joining an independent DPC. In Austin, the fastest growing firm two of the last three years was a company called Sidera, a health ministry. I joined them. There are over 20,000 white coats, probably more like 30,000 in DPC alone, and thousands more surgeons and radiologists. It's a safe place for battered white coats. Your panels are smaller. Again, no HR, no codes ever, ever again. Boom, shakalaka. Direct care is the only viable path for great outcomes, lower costs, happy docs, happy consumers, employers, shareholders, communities. It's the septuple aim on steroids. This despite huge headwinds against the movement. Tax collectors, regulators, politicians circle like blind and deaf vultures and do whatever they can to make this less appealing than legacy care. Making the bigs look great is like putting honey on a cactus before you eat it. And trying to make direct care look worse is a fool's errand. So we're fighting blind vultures as our nemesis. 
They're clunky and dumb, but they just pick, 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 pick at you. Look, over 80% of employees want this model, says the most recent Hint Health study. And it's free with an ROI that screams try me, free. It's the most powerful word in the English language, and it's a sexy perfume. Give us a try. It's free. We can solve racial divides, in my opinion, and crime, massive federal, state, and local budgetary issues with DPC as a centerpiece of direct care. I don't think we'd have an actor strike if they all had DPC. I don't think we'd have a screenwriter's guide strike if we had DPC. They would have great health care, lower the cost for these big companies. Everybody would win. So there are nine tactics for putting the best plans in place. We're not going to get into them here today, but I'll just summarize again three quick stories that I think are the center of the DPC Direct universe. And that's the Walmart story, the New Jersey, Montana story, and Rosen. Walmart uses the savings from two tactics of the nine to offer day one tuition for online college books, everything. And it appears employee turnover dropped from 70 down to 45%. Costco, for example, is 6% turnover. But that's a huge drop in two years. So had they implemented all nine tactics, they would have created a tripling of their margins by my conservative calculation. Or wiser yet to offer free healthcare day one, their labor turnover rate would go down to the Costco numbers, I believe. New Jersey saved a billion five, two tactics, meds and DPC. There were seven more on the table that could have saved another $3 billion, said the treasurer who was on our show twice. They fully funded pension obligations that year. They saved a billion five. And it's rare as a white elephant to stare at fully funded plans for states, cities, labor unions, because unfortunately, the politicians got greedy and the big stick over doesn't do all the good which happened also in Montana with their 138 million in savings with a much smaller population. So that's a glimmer of light in Swampian government. Direct strategies work. Rosen Hotels is the crown jewel of direct. If we had an award, a hall of fame or a Academy award or something like that, they would be the first. And, and I don't know, why don't we have a award? So our messaging is a movement is not very tight. This is again, just some prescriptive things I had been thinking about. It's very confusing our messaging. It's not unified. We have a Tower of Babel communication issue among us. I have a few keys to boil it down to the simple, something any kid could understand. Are you ready? So this is my prescription for what should be on the first page of every direct primary care firm that's regional or national. These six metrics. Number one, what is your client renewal rate? We know it's in the high 90s, so brag about it. What is your ROI years one through three? So what you cost X, your payback is Y. Bonus, show the average healthcare spend reduction. But the ROI years one through three should like be a one to one or a one to two or three to one ratio. The number of engaged members, how many people are in your universe that you're helping? What is the member NPS? Or if what are their Google star ratings? And then what is the rate of engagement? So you might have an addressable market where a company signed that has 10,000 employees, but only 5,000 engaged. That's your rate of engagement. And then internal NPS with your providers. How happy are your doctors and your nurses that work for you? Are they renewing their contracts with you year after year? I think the business will flow in if you just had those six metrics to show the universe, because that's it. You address the employer, you address the consumer, you address the doctors. That's your audience. That's your customer. 
make it easy for those three to get you and understand you. So if we want to de-risk the jump from this outside legacy world into our world, we got to give them numbers they can't resist. Why make people dig and beg for what you're already proud of anyway? Number two prescription is there's a press blackout. I don't know why, but that really sounds like an opportunity to me to feature more case studies and testimonials. Our top shows to get downloaded by far are testimonials. We've had seven. And one of them got almost 100,000 downloads. It's just people are super excited by digging into the weeds on the numbers that an employer is seeing from somebody real. They believe them because they are fantastic stories. We don't really have also a central repository of these case studies. So we've got lots of them, schools, cities, states. We have, of course, employer, private employers by the boatload. But my most popular show, shouldn't we have a central place where we capture all these stories because we humans crave stories. And that's what they study in Harvard MBA school is case studies. So we should really have some central place. All right. And my last prescription is we ignore two studies that show an ROI of 10 to one and 13 to one that are California and Oregon studies. I've talked about it endlessly, but primary care in your company is going to have a 10 to one payoff, hard and soft costs combined. And in Oregon, it was a 13 to one. Those numbers are again just undeniably juicy. All right, the nine tactics in a perfect plan design, direct primary care is the center of it all, wholesale meds as low-hanging fruit as well, direct surgery, direct imaging, direct pay specialist, direct paying cash to labs, having a navigator hired, having a claims adjudicator hired, and then offering free care ultimately. That's the nine tactics that this plan design is not more complicated than that. So that's it. Some big themes, a few ideas that could change the world of direct primary care, which fixes the world. I mean, this is called primary care cures, and it does cure the world. My hat tip is to you, because without you these last four years, this would be just another echo chamber. There's lots of shows with tiny groups of members, but y'all are a large listenership, and you're a very powerful group of executives, benefit advisors, doctors, nurses, and other entrepreneurs. Very powerful change makers indeed. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.